Welcome to our podcast where I, Andrew Chapman, and me, Rachel Howes, get together around the microphone once a week to talk about the novellas we are writing. Welcome to episode two of the podcast. We are here. This is it. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. Why not? They're so poorly. <laughs> yeah, we're sick. We are sick. But that's okay. I've been off work today. I've been asleep all day. I woke up at 5pm when Rachel got home from work. She fed me and then she, the microphone is on and now we're recording a podcast. So it's, we're all firing on 100 cylinders. <laughs> How many cylinders do cars have? Is it cylinders? Rectangles. My car's got wheels. <laughs> so, yeah so today in today's podcast we're going to talk about um writing when you're sick but when and, and we're going to be talking about um listeners questions we've had a listener's <laughs> question <laughs> but we're gonna start things off right uh, in the first episode, where well, there was a list of novellas, the best in the world, one of them was uh, Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, and Rachel has got a fact about that book. Yeah, so basically, John Steinbeck's harshest critic was probably Toby. Toby was his dog. John Steinbeck's original manuscript of Mice and Men was actually eaten uh, by Toby. Oh. I came across this fact this week. Basically, Toby was left alone one evening, um Obviously, he was getting a bit bored, didn't really like what he was reading while everyone mm. was out, and ate some really important homework of uh, Steinbeck. Um, Steinbeck actually wrote about it to his agent, um, saying that he was pretty mad, but the poor little fellow may have been acting critically. Yeah, oh my God. So who knows what could have been Yeah. if Toby hadn't eaten those few words. So luckily, our first drives are stored on hard drives, and we've got a cat. So as long yeah. as the cat doesn't eat the computer, yeah. we're all right. So, our writing. So, we were hoping to come back to you on a week after episode one for episode two and say, oh, well, we have working titles and here's a list of characters. And, and we've we, written so many words yeah, every day. Exactly. We've, we're 2,500 words in. Ta-da. And we're not. I'm 800 words in. I'm less than that. Yeah. We re- we pressed stop on episode one, stopped recording, and then got sick. We have glandular fever. Fatigue has been a struggle. Um, it's, it's, trying to accommodate work and children. And they call it the kissing disease, but they should call it the sleeping disease. It does absolutely wear you out. Just wants you to makes you want to sleep. Yeah, you slept most of the weekend and today. Yeah, literally all of today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to drink some of my coffee. Hopefully it won't pick up on the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Andy mentioned about putting out some questions on um, Twitter. Listeners' questions. We had a listener's question. Let's have a look on the on Twitter. Insta-Twitter. Do you want to read the... What... The question? Uh, so, yeah, so we did get a question from at Dahl's Chickens One. Um, we know him as Tom Cassidy. Um, he says, Hello, Howells and Chapman. Any advice on ending self sabotage and maintaining discipline? If my flow breaks for even 10 seconds, I'm actively searching for something else to do, like f-ing off to Sainsbury's or going for a nice walk. First of all, Mr. Thomas Cassidy, you've just made my missus swear. She doesn't like doing that on podcasts, so I'm going to have to bleep her out. Yeah. So, uh, 
Though at those chicken one is Tom Cassidy. He happens to be the audiobook producer of my second novella, The Accidental Scoundrel, which he recorded. So we know this guy. He just wanted to ask us a question. First of all, I've got a question for you, Tom, which maybe you can answer. I only know him as a or as a, a voice narrating artist. Do you want to say that again? No. Does this mean that um, he's also writing? I wonder. Or is he just talking about procrastination generally? I'll endeavour to find out, and I'll let you know. Yeah. Listeners and Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say in terms of self-discipline... Um, I've got loads of self-discipline. No, you haven't. And But I'm trying to answer yeah. Tom Cassidy's question. Oh, yeah. Is try and set aside some time in the day uh, to do your writing, if that's... in indeed what you're doing or, or for whatever creative arts that mm-hmm. you're doing but try and be disciplined in setting yourself some time so knowing that you're going to write between a certain hour or um, you know trying to commit to we've said it before like 500 words um, and it doesn't necessarily matter what you actually write it's more about just getting those words on paper um, and also get inspired by um, other people's writing so read do a lot of reading so if you're going to procrastinate because you can't write pick up something and read so read something that you enjoy see how people put together their prose and how they maybe put together dialogue how they've come up with their um you know protagonists those kind of things so i've got um uh so i've been researching uh, oedipus right i don't want to talk about oedipus okay. i want to talk about my special word yeah okay special word uh special word that i can't say go on sesquipedalian so um, I tend to write with many sesquipedalians <laughs> uh, in my text. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's um, it's a meant to have been coined. It's a, a word coined by Horace and is a term uh, for words which are polysyllabic, which is almost as difficult to say as sesquipedalian. <laughs> wow, you're um, nailing the big words. Nailing the big words. Um, yeah, you generally come across them in like scientific journals and things but words such as anti-disestablishmentarianism would be one sesquipedalian itself is a sesquipedalian um, I'm just going to leave it there feeling quite chuffed for myself for getting that out yeah like <laughs> long complicated words for those of you who can't see me I've got smug look on my face yeah so sesquipedalia means a word of many syllables many syllables yeah alright cool. apologies you may continue with your uh, I forgot what I was going to say about Oedipus story oh god Oedipus. Oh no, the point of the podcast. God, why? Why don't I just pick as a linear... Oh, just why? So Oedipus, I decided to rewrite that. Do you know who else decided to rewrite Oedipus? Yeah, some other guy. And some other girl. So, let's have a look, right? And I don't mind, obviously, it's a famous Greek myth. There are going to be other people writing it, doing their own versions of it. Um... I'm drawing things out, so I'm trying to find the picture I took on my phone. So, in 2018, Daisy Johnson wrote a book called Everything Under, which is her version of the Oedipus story. Mm-hmm. Um, it was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize in 2018, last year. So I'm trying to write a book. And that was only shortlisted. Shortlisted, Yours yeah. may go on to win. Uh, and also, in 2011... David Gutterson wrote his version of Oedipus called Ed King. Both of these books have been reviewed in, like, The Guardian and New York Times and Eden Standard, you know. 
there were books that were successful that people knew about. Mm. And now I'm coming on doing my version. Yeah. I haven't read their books, but I don't like either of them. No, but we're here to encourage people out oh. there to write. Even um, though they are direct competition to me, I recommend you go and read their books and enjoy them. I'm sure they're really brilliant. <laughs> but my version of Oedipus is going to be better. I can't say that. Well, you can. I'm an optimist. Exactly. And an octopus. Is an optimist a frog with eight legs? <laughs> um, it's very difficult to not laugh at you. <laughs> with with you. At you. <laughs> I'm gonna um, take back everything I said about bad mouthing any other books. It's not about. It's not not that you're bad mouthing, but the point of the podcast is yeah. to not only journalise our yeah. Um, experience of writing a novella but also to try and encourage others out there to exactly and their... I haven't read their books they're probably brilliant uh, can I tell you about um, a novella that I tried to yeah get yes. this week is it the Martin Amos book it is the Martin Amos book it's mm. called The Other People um, I've not given up on it right but my aim was to try and get it read and do a little bit of a review um, in the podcast of it some of the material is quite difficult to read right um, I think the interpretation is that there is a lot of... I'm at the very early stages of, of it, mm. so, you know, this is a very, very um, early judgment. But there are some subjects that are quite dark um, around the main character, mm. um, Mary, um, and what happens to her and potentially what has happened to her oh, not yeah. quite revealed the full ins and outs yet but so I am going to try and try and finish I am going to try and persevere and finish it but I am finding the content quite difficult you're not sure if you want to go down that path yeah it's a very it's a very it's a bit of a tricky read it might end up being utterly brilliant yeah yeah but I just need to get through for me the novella the point of a novella is to to hook you within those first two chapters I mean that's like for any book I suppose but a novella more importantly so because it's a very short read mm. you want to grip them sooner and, and make them want a page turn and you know I, I did persevere um, for the first few chapters um, and it's just, it, it seems to have hit a bit of a wall it's told from a very weird perspective isn't it from somebody's outlook who doesn't understand the world that she's seeing yeah. so she's describing things and the way she perceives them and then that aren't it, actually potentially there yeah, and then or the, real yeah exactly and then the author sort of sometimes steps in and says yeah there's sometimes by the way this is what's which is a bit happening. of a struggle because I'm not used to that where oh, yeah. the author's trying to explain I love that about it this little this happened because of this and yeah so the, the author in, interruptions so which to speak, I love that stuff I mean it might work brilliantly with when I finish it but at the moment I just wanted to let people know that I am going to try and yeah. do some reviews during the podcast yeah. of novellas um, but yeah so it's it's not a brand new story it's, it's quite old yeah it's, it's around about 1981 I think yeah um, but yeah he's, he's a well known well known author his dad was Kingsley Amos and he wrote um, he wrote the the first James Bond book after Ian Fleming died. Mm -hmm. So the first non-canon book was written by Martin Amos's dad, and so it was a really famous book, what called Lucky Jim. And then Martin Amos, being the son of a famous author, had a struggle, 
proving himself on his own right. He wrote a book called Money that was really good. I think he wrote a book called Time's Arrow. He's actually yeah. Lucky Jim didn't have the same fate as Speckled Jim, did he? What's that? The pigeon that belonged to Melchie in Blackadder. Uh, what what happened to that pigeon? I can't remember. Um, oh, have you have you heard? New Blackadder is coming. They've all met up. Amazing. And they're talking about it. I'm so excited. So, just this non-podcast stuff. But How have we not discussed that already? I, I know. Yeah. Off-podcast. I know. I just that? found out about this today. They've met all of them. They're talking. There might be a series five of Blackadder. Yeah, Blackadder is the Flanders pigeon murderer. He murdered Speckled Jim. Oh. He went to trial with Melchie, right, yeah, who yeah. is judge, jury and executioner. <laughs> <laughs> essentially. We got him right here. Um, so yeah, I take it Lucky Jim doesn't have the same fate as Speckled Jim. I haven't read it. I think the listeners by now as well will kind of understand that we tend to go off on a bit of a tangent. Mm. And this isn't just podcast no. life. This is real life for us. We do tend to have a conversation that will end up going down some random rabbit hole. You remember we couldn't get to sleep once because we were trying to work out how moths' eyes worked. Yeah. If any, if there are any scientists who can explain how moths' eyes work, I, I think I figured it out. Yeah, but you can't remember. I can. Okay. How I can remember. Work? Well, people always say that there's a light bulb and moths going around it, bumping into it. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, moths must be attracted to lights. They're idiots. Look at them bumping into the light, right? Yeah. I think the way a moth's eye works is that it can it can determine shade and light, right? And so from the moth's perspective, if it's flying around trees, anytime it sees light, it's seeing an exit, right? So if it goes towards the light and avoids the shade, it's not going to bump into the tree or the leaves mm. or the sticks or whatever. And so when it's in a room, which moths don't have in their natural environments, bedrooms... And so then you switch on a light bulb, it assumes the light bulb is an exit. Because it doesn't matter in the yeah. world how, 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 for how long they fly towards the light source, they never bump into the sun. Mm. They know light only to be the way out. Yeah. And so what they're doing is the, the room around them is potentially things to bump into, and the light bulb is the only place that they're not going to bump into it. And they do bump into it, and that's very confusing and distressing for them off. Yeah. And we should have more sympathy. And we should buy moth-friendly bulbs. We should have bulbs that are shaped like tunnels that lead through the roof into the outside world. Novellas, Blackadder, moths. <laughs> Back to novellas! <laughs> and the Oedipus story. So the Oedipus story. Um, it's very complicated to try and work out how to do it. Because you... Uh, not having kings and queens and all of this business. Um, uh, and I have a solution. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not think about it. Okay. And I'm just going to write it. Okay. See what happens. Have you got any... My, Sorry. My problem has been is that I've, every time I plot out a story and try and write it, I get so bored before I start because I already know what's going to happen. So it's lost all interest for me. So I was already starting to get bored of the Oedipus idea because I was trying to flesh out too much of it in my head. And so now I've given up on all original ideas. And now I have a vague sense of the shape of it in my head and the tone of it and the texture. And I can touch it and smell it and sniff it and I can hear it and the tone that it's going to have. And I'm just going to just push that domino and let the story fall and follow it to the end. Then I can do pantsing, which is what we've talked about last time we write. That's my plan. 
What are you going to say? Um, have you got any characters that you set on that you um, want to let anybody know about? I don't know the names of the characters, the main characters. In the first chapter, though, for the reader, it's going to be their first experience of him. But for me, this character has already been in the novel Shelley Town RPG. And is he your favourite character in that book? Cacophony? Yeah, I mean, I'd say he's one of my favourite characters from that book, yeah. So in Oedipus, the parents, they go and see Apollo. And he's, Apollo tells them about the prophecy and that's what kickstarts the whole story. I decided to not have that. And I've set the whole story in the fictional universe I've already created in a previous book. Uh, which is a horror, it's called Shady Town, and it's where all my horror stories are set. And this is essentially a horror version of Oedipus. Uh, and so Cacophony, the crossroads demon, crawls out of a font in a church during christening. Uh, and kills the vicar and kickstarts the entire story. And he and so he's, that's the revelation, Cacophony mm. is in it. It'll be the reader's first ever reading of him, so I've got to be careful not to allude to things that they won't know about. No. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into what Cacophony is like? He's a bastard, isn't he? Can you do his voice? Um, I would need some dialogue. Okay. Maybe we can do that next time. Yeah. I think it would be good for the readers to hear what we perceive Cacophony to sound like. Yeah. Because I think it really adds to the character. Yeah. And who he is. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah, an evil genius. He's Absolute sort of evil he just genius. set things in motion, and then he just sits back and watches. Watches the carnage unfold. So I didn't even realise he was going to be a big part of the first book. It's just like he sort of gets introduced rather quite late in the book, mm. and then he's just there. Yeah, and like it, you, re- I, I didn't realise until the end that this is all his doing, and everything yeah. always has been, mm. and he's just this omniscient bastard. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Truly brilliant creation. <laughs> yeah, I quite like him. So have you got anything to reveal about your story? The only thing that really I've got to reveal is... Um, I can give you the name of the main character, who's okay. the uh, detective. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be DCI Robert Henry. Um, he's going to be the lead investigating officer. Um, okay. For murder. It's, it's very difficult to... It, discuss without revealing too much information. I don't think you should reveal anything. I um, say keep the listener in suspense. If they listen to the last episode, they know what the story's about. <laughs> they know Robert Henry's going to be the guy. Yeah, I have got the convicts' names, but not really ready to reveal those yet. Yeah. Um, As you flesh them out. Yeah, fleshing them out still. Um, and the reasons for their incarceration whilst it's all yeah. murder. Yeah. Um the actual detail of those murders I don't want to reveal just yet because I think it would be a massive spoiler exactly um, it may be something that I'll reveal in a couple of weeks time um, in terms of their names and mm-hmm. or maybe their tells mm. um, you know what, what pinned them to the murders mm. um, so yeah so I, I've got I've got um, a Jane Doe kind of character yeah um, who's the cadaver of the, the current murder. So that's about all I'm ready to reveal yet. I don't even have a working title. It's it's literally just called Book. <laughs> <laughs> working title for mine is called Call Me Oedipus. 
I thought your working title was. Uh, yeah, I can't remember how to say that, so I chose Supid another one. Supideo. <laughs> Supideo Rex. Yeah. It's Oedipus backwards. Yeah. People aren't going to remember how to say that or spell it. I've decided I don't. I can't even remember how to spell Oedipus. That don't spell it backwards. E E D O. Put also. Yeah. There you go. I mean, why does it begin with an O? Oedipus. Greek in it. Have you heard there may be a merge of your Y O U R and your Y O U apostrophe R E to make it acceptable to use either according to uh, i read i did read a news article on it earlier in the week i can't remember where i read it but i did read something and then i saw it being followed up on twitter and people were going a bit nuts on twitter about it and rightly so because the words have different meanings and therefore they are spelled differently it's not so hard is it it's not so hard it's only a contraction your you are yeah your your it's easy so what next for this week? It has been a difficult week because we've both been so fatigued. Yeah. Um, and that has hampered us quite a lot. So we need help from you guys as well just to try and help spur us on a bit. Yeah, and I wanted to mention a listener who's going to try and write along with us. Oh, yes. we Jack. Have... Yeah, Jack. Jack. Jack, how are you doing, Jack? <laughs> Please yeah. tell me you started writing your novella. Please. I want to know all about it. Just tell me about it. I want to know about it. He hasn't, he hasn't written anything before, I don't think. No, but he has been inspired a little bit after listening to the last podcast and he wants to also be one of our beta readers, so he's definitely on the list for that. Yeah. Well, um, what's his Twitter handle? So he, you can follow him um, on Twitter at underscore J-S-W-Y-D. Um, so that's Jack. Um, just, just tweet him saying, hey, Jack, how's the story going? Yeah, he's really into blogging. Um, he he also posts some uh, fantastic uh, photographs on his social media, so um, you can uh, have a look from on there. But yeah, give Jack a follow. Um, he's going to be a beta reader and hopefully be inspired to write a novella himself. I can't wait to read it if he does do it. Yeah, it kind of works both ways, Jack. So if you're going to be a beta reader for us, please let us be a beta reader for for yeah. you too. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully next week's podcast will be... More you know, coherent. Yeah, more coherent. Back to our witty selves. Yeah. Now, go down to your local nightclub and write at 2A1JPod on the mirrors in the bathrooms of lipstick. Or, or in a Sharpie on the wall. That's it from me, Rachel Howells. And, and me, Andrew Chapman. Until next time, um, 2A1Jers. <laughs> Oh, we need to get a better fan name than that. <laughs> what should we call our fans? Matthew. No, that, that doesn't work for me. Okay. Well, think of it. Johns. If, you, if you've got any ideas yeah. for what we can call you as a... Collective group. Collective noun. Yeah. What's the term? Yeah. Like, if you were a lot of toads, we would call you an army. If you were a lot of ravens, we would call you a murder. Can I just talk about a raven a minute? Yeah. If you were a lot of flamingos, we would call you... What do they call a, a bunch of flamingos? I don't know. It's got a, it's a really good word. A flamboyance That's of it. flamingos. Flamboyance. But we're not going to call you a flamboyance, but we do need a term for you. So uh, we're going to end on a little fact about a raven from Rachel. Yeah, and it's not really novella-based. It's, it's more to do with a poem. 
That was uh, written by Edgar Allan Poe. Who's that? He wrote The Raven. Nevermore. 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 Also an excellent episode of The Simpsons. He had a mysterious death, that guy. He did. We'll go on to that okay. another episode, because otherwise this is never going to end. People are getting bored and probably already switched off by now and not even listening to me talking. Um, so, yeah, the raven was... Um, originally, he didn't want to use a raven. Right. He wanted to use a parrot to repeat the word nevermore. Oh, that makes more sense. But decided that the parrot didn't fit the melancholy melancholy oh tone that his poem was going for so he settled on the raven could you imagine how different people would see Edgar Allan Poe in their minds if it was a parrot instead of a raven yeah, yeah. John Cusack with a parrot on his shoulder oh he played him brilliantly <laughs> that's a great film I love that film oh, but I am it. slightly obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe so yeah uh, on anyway, that note should we finally go never more bye <laughs>